Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic Will's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded once again. Hallelujah at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, Editor of PW Comics Will, and Editor of The Fanatic, PW's twice a month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com, the new site of comics culture. And you can find us on Twitter at, at PWComicsWorld. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr, PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on the Apple Podcast app, on Google Podcasts, and on Stitcher. And we're on social media at Facebook.com slash PWComicsWorld. And don't forget, you can leave us a rating or give us some stars or a comment on any of the platforms in which we're available. Please rate us and give us some feedback because we love to hear from our listeners. So hit us up, why don't you? All right, this week on More to Come, Amazon <laughs> wholly absorbs comicsology. Booming 2021 graphic novel sales. Spike Trotman and Iron Circus step away from Kickstarter. A copyright clash over mouse. And are we witnessing the end of the editorial cartoon? All right. All right. So Amazon devours comicsology. It's kind of been a slow, you know, <laughs> process. Well, it was announced boy. last fall that, uh, you know, in a hype filled email from comicsology founder, co-founder David Steinberger that, oh, it's wonderful. We're integrating with Amazon and, you know, and, uh, you know, listen, hey, I get it. You, you want to, you, you know, you're employed by Amazon and you're, you're putting a <laughs> brave face on this, but it soon became clear that things like comicsology unlimited branding and then the comicsology website was going to go away and very soon when you clicked on a link it would instead go to the kindle store on the amazon vast edifice of uh books and comics and shoes and uh nutcrackers and um gifts for the dog and <laughs> yes everything else uh and so this week it now they delayed it for a while which they got a little reprieve because i think it was a little more complex than they thought it was but unfortunately this week it has happened uh the comicsology website yes you go on and then i'll come oh, in after you is gone is no more and um and the app you are being forced to upload it and uh, let's just say nobody's happy so when they announced this, they assured us that they would be, you know, importing a lot of the things that were good about comicsology to the Kindle app for the reading of graphic novels, that it would be like totally up to date, you guys, and really work really well. And I mean, I was tentatively optimistic that the terribleness of the Kindle app for comics might change. Because maybe they would have, I don't know, benefited from all the knowledge and skill and just plain old programming of comicsology. But alas, this was not to be. Yeah. And like for, okay, so now you can't, now, now Calvin, you actually read, use comicsology a lot. So maybe you could talk about what's going on. Yeah. The way I use it, uh, I'm not happy either. Um <laughs> uh, I, I tend I tend to use the website. I don't really use the app. I'm 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 gonna take a look at the app so we can get back to you with some other you know, an update on that. But I use web access. Um uh you know, I I use I don't necessarily go to Comixology to find out what's new that I wanna buy. Usually I go to Comixology because there's something that I wanna buy and for some reason I can't get it or I can't get it fast enough or whatever, or I just wanna have it. But man, I mean, first of all, finding, uh, first of all, just finding, uh, you, the books that you own, it took me about 20 minutes. Oh and God. I did, with the help of actually the Beats article about this, I was able to find it. But it's very disappointing. Um, it's hard to navigate. There's no sense of, you know, I don't understand why there's to have your library listed somewhere. Uh, essentially now, if you bought anything, um, from what I can make out, if you bought anything on Comixology, it's it's basically in in the Kindle app, mm -hmm. and that's where you go to find it, uh, including online. Now the reader 
the online reader um, is disappointing. It's the well, it's the Kindle reader. Isn't it's, it? it's essentially the Kindle, and the Kindle yes. reader has never been optimized for comics. There you go. No, um, it's barely usable if you have a full size Kindle. Hmm. Um, a Kindle Fire. That is literally the only reason I own a Kindle Fire. Um, but like. For example, I just downloaded, just for demonstration purposes, uh, one of the manga I had bought on Comixology and, uh, attempting to read it on my phone-sized device, an iPod. And, uh, no, no, you cannot go to individual panels. No, no, instead you've got teeny, teeny, tiny little print. Teeny, teeny, tiny little print. Oh my god. And then if you, like, tap on it, it does, like, a really awkward zoomy thing. But it's just bad. It's just bad. And I'll yeah. uh, just, uh, yeah, for sure. one example, if a comic has a, well, two things that are just, you know, and again, I don't really use Comixology, but of course, like Calvin, once in a while I need a digital mm-hmm. comic. Certainly I have used it. I have purchased yeah. comics on there over the years. Uh, number one, two-page spread is a tiny little thing that you can't even read on the Kindle. Um, just appalling. I mean, on the regular app, you could scan and pan. and mm-hmm. And the entire... Um, you know, zoom model or, you know, what, what are the guided view that well, they spent yeah. years building, building and developing so that you could read digital comics on small devices? Gone. Yeah. All of it gone. Now, and, and, and just, look, I got it before you go. I, I'm sorry, I'm on a rant, but let me just say this. Please, please. The no. Comixology <laughs> website was incredibly useful. It was very it easy was, to navigate. It had credits. It had all the credits for the comics on it listed clearly. Synopsis listed clearly. And it was anytime I was looking something up as a research tool, it was there. Gone. 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 Yeah. And all the information gone. And I don't really understand what the point of that was. I understand you want to bring it all under the Amazon banner. Fine. But then why isn't it www.amazon.com slash comicsology and keep all the good stuff? And just change the yeah. way it looks so it shares branding. I don't understand. All of the stuff that really made it easy uh, on Comixology is gone. Um, you know, I I like you know the instant. I like the Amazon Instant Buy and kind of the Instant Read, but that doesn't seem to be there. Now I haven't looked at the app, and I did. And I actually, while we were sitting here, I got an update from David. Hey David, mm. um, that they'd upgraded the app. Now I'm going to actually go on and experiment with that. But boy, oh boy, it's it's disappointing. I mean, I, I eventually did find where you know all my stuff. You know, you get an Amazon basically. Well, Comicsology now is simply another subsite of the Amazon yeah. of the Amazon. Yeah, site. you can link it to your pre-existing Amazon account. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes, and yes. But and well, I had already done that, and for, I did that, too, and I had for, done that as well. But another thing I will say is that. At least at the moment, good luck trying to sort by just finding graphic novels. Oh, it's, mm. it's terrible. You can't. Well, there's no little thingy to click where you're like, uh, graphic novel option. And, and I just want to. Or p- graphic book option. And I want to just plug, uh, one of my writers, Cy Beltran, who's one of my new writers. And I just want to give him a shout out because he is, this was his first big assignment for the beat. And I gotta say, he wrote a real yeah, a slobber piece. knocker yeah. mm-hmm. of an article that really goes and delves into, um, a very, very, um, clear explanation on, and does not mince words with how bad this new system is. And I'm just, I, um, I, I've said this all along. You know, Amazon has bought a lot of companies. They bought Zappos. Zappos sells shoes. There's still a Zappos website. Now, it just goes to Amazon. And I know no. because I love shoes. But, but I mean, the difference is you can still use the Zappos website. That's exactly what I'm saying. Which keeps out the uh, random third-party vendors of knockoff and shoes. And it's completely set up so if you like shoes... It goes by, you can find shoes yeah. on the Zappos website. You know, there's also Audible. Now, obviously, audiobooks are a huge category. And I'll be honest, they're a lot bigger than digital comics. So the Audible website also still exists as a standalone. So it's not that Amazon compl- n- always, needs to do that. Well, always absorbs mm-hmm. um, businesses that they acquire. But in this case, they did. And it sucks. Yeah. It really sucks. Yeah. Now, the thing is... I would be okay if they had just absorbed it into the branding or even mm. included it into the app if they had included, oh, I don't know, all of the valuable technology 
that Comixology had to offer and make that part of Kindle. I mean, it would be a win-win, guys. You already own this perfectly good programming. Why not freaking use it? Right. Yeah. Um, now, what I've seen through um, going through the web uh, to the website to my what is what is now a Kindle library. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's basically pinch and zoom, but it's a very awkward it's, pinch and it's, zoom. It's not good pinch and zoom. And and the fact of the matter is, you absolutely have to zoom to read the text in the comics. But it doesn't it, have the thing where. That Comixology used to have where you could touch on the talking panel and it would pop out and you could read the writing. Also that you could get a grade, a gradation of, of, of zoom and, and then, um, actually move it around with your cursor. Cause what happens with you pinch and zoom through, at least through the web access into Kindle is that if the, the text isn't in the middle of the page, any effort to move it up or down immediately moves you to the next page. Yeah. yeah. And you spend yeah. the whole time reading trying to delicately move the thing so that you can read the text. So it's really a massive pain in the so, butt. Okay. D minus needs improvement. Yeah, and I I mean this is Amazon we're talking about, you know, and why were they so careless and so slapped out? I, I, I am going to I be honest. Very, yeah. I have a theory. Oh. My theory has to do with office politics. And my theory is that the Kindle team didn't want to be told they were doing anything wrong. And so they just ignored all the potential benefits they could have gotten from the research done by Comixology. Well, I have to believe that internally um, uh, people at Comixology probably tried to, to point out that people like us, you know, and look. I don't think any of the three of us here are heavy digital comics users, are we? Well, but this is why. But I, but, but I, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I was like, well, I, I actually. But some people are. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, some, I'm just saying we are complaining but, so much. Imagine what people who invested hundreds, if not thousands yes. of dollars yes. in digital comics. I mean, I, I will say it is marginally more readable on a Kindle, but it's still not great to the point where and this is where you're leaving money on the table, Amazon, to the point where I literally was like, screw this, I'm going to see if my local public library has this graphic novel, mm-hmm. and I am willing to be on the wait list for Moon Knight Volume 1 <laughs> in order to read it on an app that actually isn't broken. Well, let's... Because Libby is free and mm-hmm. works. Well, yeah. let's talk about let's talk about what this means, though. Okay, now I was told... I've had a lot of conversations about this, off-the-record conversations and background conversations, but I will say I was told by someone uh, pretty knowledgeable that they do think that Amazon is aware of these issues and, you know, will send its little team of drones, you know, med, med, like this. Yes. Yeah, like, like, eventually. The, eventually. Well, eventually, but yes. I mean, the, the, they're, they're, this is, there's no way people are going to buy as many digital comics because they're going to see a hit. They're absolutely, and because you can't find If they them. haven't learned that comics people complain, yeah. they're going to learn it real soon. Well, I mean, Amazon is really good at ignoring complaining, but, but they are, but they are going to pay attention to the hit to the sale. Well, this is what I heard though. Like, there's a lot of geeks at Amazon. Okay. And good. they do care. They are users themselves. Yeah. They read comics. So, they, they so it's eventually this. going to be fixed. But, yeah. but what does this now? I keep asking, you know, we, over the course of this podcast, how many would be comicsology digital comics platforms that we talked about. I, are any still left? Uh, but Kate, you mentioned Libby. Other people have mentioned Hoopla. And it seems, you know, of course there's Comics Plus also, but, mm-hmm. um, it seems here as we stand with comicsology, Amazon having, um, cut comicsology off at the knees that the biggest competitors left are Hoopla and Libby. Well, among for that kind of thing but meanwhile and we will be talking about them again later this show the um the asian web comics apps which are for the you know native digital paid graphic novels basically i mean this is not like the web version of your comic strip listeners more on that later this is comic books made for your phone-sized device, those are burning up the charts. Mm-hmm. They are making money like crazy. It's not like the appetite isn't there, and it's not like the work hasn't been done. This is stupid. 
<laughs> There's no other word. I mean, I'm not saying this from a point of view of someone who went into this hostile. Like, I like my Kindle app. I like my Kindle. I was fine with it eating the branding of Comixology, but I just, I was ready to enjoy this, and it's not enjoyable. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Calvin, uh, what do you think? Do you think? Well, I think they'll fix it. I mean, yeah. that that's... That's my reaction at this point. It's frustrating um, uh, when you log into something that works. I mean, this happens on this happens in this the tech world that we live in. You know, things are updated when you don't really know why it needs to be. Um, but we, we're going to be talking about another like upgrade or change of technology that's coming up that, that we don't quite get. So I do think that eventually they will fix this. But right now, it's really kind of uh, uh, demoralizing. Well, too. and it's yeah. not it's not just that. It's that one, this was a foreseeable problem. Literally any user, like <laughs> beta user could have told them. And two, things do not always get fixed back to the standard they were. Yeah. Well, there we'll are, never see the beautiful Comicsology website again, you know? Or, or all that useful data from it. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned this on, on, um, on Twitter and, People reminded me of the comic book database, which uh, was this incredible, uh, gigantic database of all the comic books. And I believe Comic Vine purchased it, which is owned by CBS. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to just fix it up. Guess what they did? They just took it down. And, uh, you know, it never came back. Never came back. And that was uh, four years ago. Uh, so, you know, it's just this, this, you know, knowledge online is very transitory. That is one thing. This is why the, some of us become data hoarders. Yes. Which is some. at least better than, than hoarding physical items. Well, yes, but I, 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 it's funny because before we came on the air, Kate and I were talking about, uh, storage, digital, you know. Yeah. And, sure. and I mean, I must have like, I have all kinds of different cloud storage and five or six. Um, physical data drives at home. So yes, I'm a hoarder, data hoarder for sure. Um, well, I, I, there's definitely more to come on this story. And, yeah. um, yeah. you know, Amazon is far from infallible, uh, cause they really screwed the pooch on this. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt. Uh, but you know what? I really do think that, um, well, we'll see. I mean, the, 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 the comicsology unit is there. David Steinbrenner is there. Mm-hmm. I just don't see him letting this go. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll find out. I don't know. Because, not necessarily Steinbrenner himself, but there are a lot of times in the history of software, basically, where a good piece of software gets bought up by a company that doesn't know how to use it, screws it up, and then most of the brain trust from that company leaves, goes somewhere else, and takes their knowledge with them and builds something new somewhere else. Yes, that's, oh, yeah. that's no. the most common. That's more, it's more likely that that happens. You know, yeah. we have seen, I mean, you know, Facebook buying Instagram was a fantastic integration. Okay. You know, kudos. I don't like it. Facebook give me back my page. Um, don't give them any props, but they knew what they were doing with that. But you know, so many other, I mean, look at Tumblr. Look at how many times Tumblr has tumbled from owner <laughs> so to, to owner or, mm. you know, Yahoo or AOL or so many times, uh, a lot of these software. Delicious. Yeah. Ne- I will never. Oh yeah. Delicious. I mean, yeah. and, and really, uh, by the way, plug here points to, uh, Pinboard, which was just like, we are going to make our own version of delicious. And we are just not going to mess with it and let you guys do your thing. Yeah. And it's still there. It's still chugging along. And it literally only takes one guy to run. Yeah. Well, speaking of software and technology and outrage on the internet. <laughs> um, so we mentioned a while back in December that Kickstarter put out this out of the blue mysterious announcement that they were going to. Uh, investigate moving to the blockchain because it made so much sense to be decentralized no. and offers so many um so many benefits for users. Well, users no. said freak frack <laughs> like, no. See ya. See ya. <laughs> and so just in 2 months, uh we've seen uh you know, I mean some some people were okay with it, but the, the most mm. vocal people obviously weren't. And I I think we talked last time about how Tapatico the web mm. comic fulfillment company had launched to Patago, 
their new crowdfunding platform, which is invite-only right now, just like Kickstarter was when it began. Uh, and then Spike Trotman, see Spike yeah. Trotman of Iron Circus, she launched um, her crowdfunding on her own site yeah. for her latest project, which is the Porecraft Cookbook. And uh, Calvin, I think you talked to Spike about this. Yeah, I talked with her about it. I mean, um, uh, I mean, her reaction, obviously, to uh, Kickstarter basically migrating its platform to the blockchain uh, and all of the unanswered questions around that it just gave her pause. Her criticisms of the move are really echo everything we've heard. Um, she's worried about her. Now, for those who don't know Spike, Spike Trotman, she's a, a combination, uh, uh, cartoonist, writer, a publisher and comics visionary. She's like a human dynamo. And, and she has uh, been a guest on this podcast several yes, times, many yes. times. Uh, she's been a PW, a Star Wars honoree, I think it was in 2015. I think she was the one of the first. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Star Wars honorees. So she's gone from being a, a self-publishing comics artist to really a self crowdfunding, a, a yeah, well, Not to self crowdfunding, but also to a really, um, a really respected independent publisher. She doesn't just publish her own books. Uh, she's really integrated her platform into the book trade. Um, on top of just being a lively, thoughtful, and sometimes interestingly cantankerous social media mm-hmm. uh, presence. Right, and and just so you have some context, listeners, um. She has raised a vast amount of money on Kickstarter for the different works that she publishes. I mean, this is a very, very successful monetization of Kickstarter by a mm-hmm. tiny yeah. micropress. Yeah, she yeah. rose, what is that, $2.5 million? Yes. She's, yeah. she's organized more than 30 campaigns on Kickstarter. Yeah. And yeah. really, yeah. when Kickstarter, it's been my experience, is thinking of some new initiative, they go to her. Yeah. yeah, they they want to bounce stuff well, off of her. Not they anymore. They didn't bounce this one well, off her. Well, honestly, I will say this: it's a it's still a big love affair between Kickstarter and and Spike. Spike has nothing bad. Well, she has bad things to say about this decision. Right, but not yeah. the not the company. Not, That's a very and clear. She is adamant that people. She is not telling people to leave the Kickstarter platform. Yeah, right. But she's clearly diversifying her options. She's absolutely. And doing when it. when someone who has been as successful with your company as Spike has been with Kickstarter starts diversifying their options. <laughs> that's a sign that your users are starting to lose trust in your long-term stability. Well, I, yeah, absolutely. And um it's yeah. You know, Kickstarter has I I I interviewed Spike as well, mm-hmm. and I mean one of the things she mentioned, I'm sure she said this in the interview with Calvin is that, you know, she does have uh, a hotline, a direct line to the the ro- people who run Kickstarter, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. And she said every time she asked them what problem is this solving, they had no answer for that. And to yeah. me, that's you know very telling. Now, yeah. and uh, I should say the Kickstarter people continue to love her. I went to them for comment as well, and believe me, before they would say anything, they gave me a whole long and genuine boilerplate about the importance of Spike, how she's. Uh, what she means to the community, both the crowdfunding community and to the comics community. Uh, they blame themselves for not explaining the move well enough. Yeah. Right. Well, That's the thing all, is, all of that said, very quickly, all of that said, Spike has basically, uh, in our conversations, she has the expertise, the resources, the mailing list, uh, the social media presence to, to migrate her audience, a sizable audience, to a new platform that she's running off of her own website now, that said, with off-the-shelf software. Yeah, now the, but that said, there was a lot of hiccups. The site yeah, went down the first were. day, yeah. and it took were. a couple days there for it. There were crashes so, on the first but it, day. Right. We're checking it now, and, you know, she's up to thirty grand, which is more than the last Porecraft right. project you know, made on Kickstarter. And yeah. for a goal of $6,000, which was the yeah. initial. Yeah, and so there's a couple things going on here. One, she is not a software person. So if if somebody who's good at what she does and is definitely not a software person goes to the point of of putting slightly faulty off the shelf software on their website to do their fundraising it's sort of you've got a problem and also man i don't think it's that they didn't explain it well enough they may think it's that they didn't explain it well enough but i think it's that it's actually just a bad idea guys so you guys i did talk to um 
Kickstarter mm-hmm. uh, COO uh, Sean Liao today. I uh, believe it was one of the first interviews he's done about this. I'm cer- <laughs> actually is the first interview he's ever done at Kickstarter. Um, so they are coming out a little bit, and I, I think Calvin, you just mentioned. So they did put out they up put out an updated FAQ yes. and statement today, where they it really was. Hey, we're tapping the brakes on this, people. So you know they're forming advice. Now it didn't didn't say that much, but to me it didn't actually say any more than the it first didn't. one it's, did. It, no, because it's, no it's totally but, pointless. But, but no the first one, but the first one was pointless too. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're looking at a thing, and now they're saying, well, you know what? We're going to look at it much more slowly. So, um, and you know, we did talk to Sean and uh, Sean Leo, and um, he was. I appreciate his time. He was quite, um, you know, forthright. I mean, there was, you know, we asked him questions. I, one of my writers actually was asking him some pretty hard questions. And, you know, he gave some answers that were words. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, not word, you know, I mean, he talked a little bit. I, I'll, I'll say just to, you know, to give him his due. He said two things that concern them are getting greater reach and greater reliability of seeing things that are uh, you know, making sure that campaigns are reliable to be fulfilled. And I would say in that case, the blockchain is the least reliable thing. You know, yeah. it's so not no. reliable. So anyway, he said some things. I I don't want to completely put him down because I do appreciate that he took the time to talk to us. And you can read the interview for yourself tomorrow on the beat. Um, well, today, as you read this, you should be able to go there. Um, but, you know, I do think I asked him, is there anything you wish you'd done differently? And uh, he laughed and did say, you know, what they're saying about they have not communicated this well. Yeah, so I well, think they realized they effed up. Well, but the thing is, I don't think they do. Because the problem is not that they didn't explain it well enough. The problem is the idea in the first place. What I'm afraid of is that this is the first step of the Tumblrization of Kickstarter, mm. by which I do not mean what Tumblr used to be. I actually think that's a good thing. No, I mean by which the route that killed Tumblr was they started paying more attention to what they imagined investors would like Mm. than to what actually makes their product successful. And in the short term, yeah, that'll get you some investment. But in the long term, you will have nothing for anyone to invest in and you will lose your money. Well, we- because what happened with Kickstarter is, I mean, what happened with Tumblr is that, um, in an attempt to appease advertisers and investors and Apple, they did a lot of ham-handed attempts to change the content. And they didn't listen to to users when users kept telling them, no, this isn't good. They were just like, oh, you don't understand it. And we'll totally improve the way right. we're doing uh-huh. it. And, I mean, I've seen this happen with companies before. Maybe Kickstarter will learn. But I honestly, this smells to me like chasing after sweet, sweet investment dollars and in a not particularly smart way. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened. And, you know, we are seeing some tech darlings sort of not be darlings anymore uh after all this and uh you know kickstarter basically kickstarter is a platform that relies on community and for a uh, a platform that relies on community they sure did not understand their community so yeah um yeah. so pretty- it's very hard i mean you know, we, we may be in a situation here where nothing happens and <laughs> and at some point down the road the we hear well oh yeah right the yeah the blockchain well we'll move on we move yeah on well I do think that's what's going to happen so I just worry that people are you know um, there just seems to be very little concrete information about first of all why you need to do this or even how you're going to do it or how that really connects with the things that they say they want to do so uh, yeah. it's just sort of baffling it is seems to be this need to to check a box for what a tech company is thinking about. But, you know, it's a lot like, uh, it's about a lot like when Diamond shut down for three months, you know? And it's like, did they have to do it? Well, sort of, kind of, yeah. I mean, they yeah, could have had some. <laughs> uh, maybe. I mean, yeah, but they were one of the few things that shut down 100% just distribution wise. Mm-hmm. But guess what? When they did that, everybody 
uh, found out they didn't need diamond. <laughs> and <laughs> so the net result was they never recovered from it. So well, see, my problem with this is that this is just, uh, you know, uh, a series of press releases. Yeah, yeah. Well, but it's, <laughs> I mean, but they're the, not shutting anything down. Well, I know, no, no. nothing has actually changed. But, yeah. but I don't think it's that simple, right? Because the reason, part of the reason these press releases aren't going to go anywhere is because of the blowback. But I sure. mean, as witnessed the Kindle app, tech companies are not above releasing a broken product. Yeah. Correct. Uh, in order to check whatever box they want to check. And, you know, maybe the blowback will get them to quietly shelve it. I hope so. But the mere fact that it was stupid does not mean they would not have done it had the blowback not happened. Right, right. So, you know, uh, do you, are you, did you, either of you follow the Gumroad situation? No. No, but you, you, no. you were, I, telling I, me I'll, I'll about try to do it real quick, I, yeah. but, but Gumroad is, a um, platform whereby you can put up um, your publications and buy the PDF or yeah. get the format. Uh, and it's a lot of indie comics are up yes. there. I, I use Gumroad all the time because it's a really great, it's a really great way to, for cartoonists, I think it's mostly co- comics, um, to get... Also some zines. Yeah, zines. But, you know, indie publications to, yeah. to, to easily get their... Uh, you know, digital format uh, comics out there. Uh, and so uh, there was uh, uh, somebody came out, a, a cartoonist, uh, you know, I'm, I don't leave the names out of it just because it was such an ugly event. But uh, a cartoonist mentioned that they had been working with Gumroad, but they weren't anymore because Gumroad had thought about doing NFTs. Not was doing them, was thinking about doing NFTs. And, you know, that went up on Twitter. And from there, it just quickly... Like a gender reveal party gone wrong, just the bush brush fire consumed. Uh, but just everybody reacting in the worst possible way. And so it seems the owner of Gumroad, it's a very small operation, just was a bad tweeter and and just you know like answered, put up the, the cartoonist had put up screenshots of a private conversation. So the owner of Gumroad put up more screenshots of more private conversations. So it just, you know, you could see what a mess it was. And of course, what is the result of this? Everybody's like, I'm taking my books off Gumroad. I'm leaving Gumroad. And like, uh, you know, first off, the guy who runs the Gumroad, you got to take the higher road, buddy. That's just how it is in this world. If you're the owner, you got to take the high road. Um, the and, outrage syndrome. Yeah, but it's also just like, you know, all of these systems that these, you know, Kate, you use Gumroad, right? Yeah. It's not anything like you thought about whether it's right or wrong thing to use Gumroad at this point or before I brought well, this up, but. I mean, I will say that if I were an indie publisher of the publishing out of my basement variety and I used Gumroad, and I honestly thought they were going into NFTs or, or maybe, you know, going worse yet, going on the blockchain. I might think twice about getting other platforms on which to sell it just because maybe my readers would be like, I don't like Gumroad, but that doesn't mean I would necessarily take it down, but I would certainly, it's never a good sign. When a company that has no business messing around with blockchain or NFTs starts talking about blockchain or NFTs, it's usually a bad sign. But it wouldn't make me run away just because somebody sent a few tweets. But I can see, <laughs> I can see why people get jumpy because many companies have pivoted and vanished whenever they, they catch up with the new hotness. Like, oh, you know, let's uh, pivot all our blogs to video. Oh, we don't like video anymore. But you you know, you guys, I, I will say, and I'm not defending NFTs at all because I, I, I think the blockchain is here to stay. I think NFTs are probably here to stay, but they're also at a, you know, Dutch tulip craze yeah. state right now. Um, but yeah, blockchain technology is definitely here. Yeah. Well, yes, stay. but the thing is, but, there are things that blockchain is good right, for, but, right, and but this I, is not it. Right, right. But what I was going to say is I think what we don't get is this from talking to people uh because we're in the publishing world but if you're in the tech world which you know an awful lot of people and movers and shakers are you know how we get excited if there's a new episode of the witcher 
Okay. Sure. And we talk about it or, or sure. whatever. Kate, what's the show you like to talk about? Uh, anyway, she didn't answer fast <laughs> enough, but, uh, but, but anyway, my point is like, like we stand around talking about peacemaker. They stand around talking about NFTs. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I mean, this is, if you're not into NFTs right now, you are hopelessly square. Yeah. I, I understand that. And that's exactly why I think this, because I think they're so caught up in the tech bro land that it's easy to lose sight of the fact that your user base, the people who you depend upon for money, your customers may not share this worldview. Um, and you know, maybe this is about coming down to earth. Like I am not anti blockchain in all forms. It's just that there are a lot of, it's, it's a sign that either you don't know what you're doing or you think your readers or users don't know what they're doing when you make a blockchain pivot that makes no sense. And a lot of companies have done it. Yes. And I'll say, I, I really don't know enough about how the blockchains function yeah. to be able to say where it's going or what it is. It This may be a, the ideal no. infrastructure. No, it's, no, for, it's not. You know, it's not. It's good you know, for other things, but not platform. Nope. Nope. I don't know. But they've done a terrible job of talking about it. Um, there's an enormous amount of skepticism. And I don't understand if you're just changing the pipes, uh, if the kind of announcements and the kind of projections they're making is really it, useful. But, it's, I, it's, right. it's, but I'm also... It's more than changing the pipes. But I, kind it of, would but fundamentally I, change and probably break the platform. But hopefully they won't do that now. But you, you guys, I will say, and I am playing the devil's advocate here a little bit. I think a lot of this stuff is literally, I'm going to use eyebrows as an example. Okay. Like eyebrows come and go in fashion. Okay. Like bushy eyebrows have been in for a long time. Do not pluck your eyebrows. Now I happen to think that doesn't look good on me because I have very dark eyebrows. All right. Then the super plucked eyebrows will come on. And guess what? If you over pluck your eyebrows, sometimes they never grow back. So I always tell people, you know, I know, but it's like, okay, if you over pluck your eyebrows, it has permanent effects, right? And growing them out can look really weird when you look at photos of yourself from 20 years ago. So I think it's, I, I think a lot of this is just people being trendy. I think they're saying, yeah, you know what? What about NFTs? I and I think if your friend went, I mean, obviously plucking your eyebrows does not affect the, you know, power in Bulgaria the way NFTs and the blockchain does. But I'm also saying it's like some of this is just people thinking aloud. Nothing has, literally nothing has changed except our perception of the people and whether they're stupid well, or not. And the key element that we haven't talked about really is, is the environmental impact, energy use. Yeah. Um, now this, this platform that they're partnering with, uh, does seem to have um, at least be a, a, a beginner in creating a, a blockchain that isn't as energy like. Uh, yeah, but there, that, that, but I'm just saying it's that's very all. Early. That's just like me saying I'm partnering with Tweezerman to get my eyebrows done. I haven't done anything. They're just saying that it was just literally. I agree. It was I agree. thinking aloud. I it agree. was stupid. So. And it's, but I, I'm just, you know, it's, it, it, it is also just like this fire bad, you know, well, like run away. I mean, I'm going to cut off my, stop my sales right now. We're, we're going to have to see what happens. No, I mean, we'll, we'll be revisiting this issue. I for mean, sure. I, I think we should be fair to the people who are annoyed with Kickstarter as opposed to people who are annoyed with Gumroad. Gumroad was just sort of blue sky. Kickstarter said they were switching to the blockchain. Now, yes. that did not, in fact, happen yet, and maybe it never well, it's will. It's going to take years to do it. But yeah, but it's never been done. But <laughs> but let's put it this way: the blowback coming early and when it did yes. makes it more likely that it won't happen. Because if people get mad after they've spent millions of dollars and several years doing the changeover. At that point, the roll the rock is rolling downhill. You're not yeah. going to stop it. But if the user base rebels when they announce it, it may never get to that point yes, and it may be quietly tucked course, into a closet. Of course, absolutely. It was actually absolutely. a reasonable response yes. on the part of Kickstarter customers. Yeah, 100%. Oh, I, I'm not, I'm not saying because, uh, that, you know, people have to react, but I'm also saying there's a lot of psychology at play here. Yes, and, and I also um, don't think that, uh, the, the Joe Blow or, or Sue Blow could just <laughs> walk away from Kickstarter. 
in the same way that Spike can. Yeah. And I also doesn't think that Spike creating her own platform means that she will never use Kickstarter. That's no, correct. no. But so at the same we'll time, it's still significant. Yeah. Uh, well, we're uh, more than halfway through our podcast, and we barely got down our topic list. So uh, let's see what else. What else? Well, have we, we got hit here? the big ones. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, well, I'll jump into the. Oh well, we haven't talked about comic sales. Let oh, me okay, just okay. quickly. Did we, did we, yeah, we. Uh, you know, this should that, yeah. be our triumphal headline. I, and yeah, we mentioned this last time that we got together, but uh, up on the beat, we did put up some actual charts. Yeah, and the numbers are phenomenal. Uh, the so numbers are very they're, phenomenal. They're worth revisiting. Uh, that, um, you know, graphic novel sales. Overall, adult graphic novel sales uh, were up more than 100%. Uh, manga just skyrocketed 100, up 171%. Um, and uh, let's see if we have any. We don't have any actual numbers that we can talk about, but um, uh, they're the, the highest the highest ever uh, for bookstore uh, adult graphic novel sales, which are what mm-hmm. the Beat reported on. Now, Diamond also released their... Sales charts and, uh, take a little finessing by, uh, John Jackson Miller. But, uh, it looks like he says that 2021 direct market comic shop sales were up 36% to 600 million, uh, with comics, $600 million, should be clear, uh, comics periodicals, uh, sales were up 50%. Um, and let's see, some other, even, he says even DC was probably up. Now his stuff is all based on projections, but, um, yeah, about 94 million uh, comic books sold in 2021, which is up 49% over 2020, up 12% over 2019. So yeah, comics the, are doing very well. Well, I mean, the over 2019 yeah. is far more significant yes, than the over 2020. Yes, absolutely. Because in 2020, there was a whole bunch of time when you really could get into a Well, comic we didn't shop. have a pandemic in 2019. That was the big difference. That's what I mean. <laughs> so the fact that there has been such a significant growth over 2019 yeah. is what really makes this worthwhile and interesting. And I think one of the other uh, ambient effects out there, the uh, SNS's most recent um, report on the uh, Simon Schuster's most recent report. Yes. Wait until she puts her headphones back on. Yes, there we go. Sorry. I, I just realized that was clinking and clacking, and I didn't want to bother Kate every time I moved. So, uh, do you want to yeah, clap just, us just, back, or oh, it doesn't matter. Um, in the most recent um, financial report from Simon and Schuster, a big distributor of graphic novels uh, and manga, they they're the the book trade distributor for Viz Media, among others. Um, that was a significant part of their earnings report. Um, I, I think they said uh, uh, this had something like 49 bestsellers over, I forget the, p- the period of time. But really, it's been a big boon to SNS on the distribution side. And and don't bury the lead here. Part of the reason we know any of this is that um, PW covered the story that SNS made almost a billion dollars last year. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Then SNS Distribution has what about eighteen clients in there? Yeah, they're pretty interesting. Yeah. So Viz is I, probably leading the group, but I would not be surprised if Viz was a good chunk of that billion dollars. Um, there, there's certainly a, a good chunk of the uh, increase. Yeah. Um, uh, in the, the growth, the percentage. In, uh, yeah. The well, we do know that manga was was uh, the highest category uh, yes. in all books last year. Yeah. Uh, the highest and, and really, growth. It, it, it's even, it all seems books. like it's even bigger than it was in that, what, the, the early 2000s and around mm-hmm. 2006 yeah. before the big crash. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, it's grown back. To where Mongus was, was like about two-thirds of every graphic novel sold. And it's, what was it like? What's that, what is it, the numbers here? About 76% of the market mm-hmm. is manga. So, all right. I mean, I what I was going to say is that I think that you know various numbers we've run here on our very podcast over the last few years have shown that the manga market has bounced back from that yes. that huge drop and is now stronger than it ever was true uh on the digital and on the print side Amazingly absolutely enough so anyway uh, comics are not dying so yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, More to come. that's for sure <laughs> All right. Well, you know, um, uh, segueing to another clash, a clash that's going on now. Uh, in some ways, this is a smaller part of a much bigger story. Mouse has had a lot of controversy of late, but, yeah. uh, there's, there's more than one. 
Yeah, and this is a this is in some way Moss is being dragged into a copyright conflict. There's a much larger uh, conflict going on, basically between the Internet Archive, which is a vast platform, a digital, a nonprofit digital library that has a huge database of all kinds of books, uh, significant numbers of public domain books, and significant numbers of in print. Excuse me, in still. Uh, excuse me. Not in the public domain right, titles. Right. Uh, among them, uh, Mouse, uh, they also use what you wrote about in the graphic novels and libraries, um, feature the, uh, uh, controlled digital lending. Right. This is what they use for books that are, are not in the public domain. But basically, uh, the internet archive claimed uh, online that PRH, uh, Put in a, uh, a a request or really a demand that it cease uh, circulating a controlled digital lending copy of Mouse uh, because it was a, as a violation of copyright. Now the whole clash between the Internet Ar- Archive and the publishing industry uh, is basically around copyright. They don't want the Internet Archive circulating books that are not in the public domain. So and the lawsuit was filed in uh, 2020 between four of the major publishers against the, inter- uh, the Internet Archive, and which is winding its way through the courts right now. Yes. So I think this would be a great time to explain what a controlled digital copy is. Sure. And what the Internet Archive has been doing. Sure. What what they do, what con- con- control digital lending is, is the you take a book that you own and you've acquired. The library does that you, you own. You've got you received in a perfectly legal way. You scan it and you make a DRM protected PDF of it, and you lend it out one per lender as if it were a physical book. Um, now, what happens in that instance is, is some books like Mouse, for instance. Which Art Spiegelman has never actually agreed to be an ebook. Ooh. Uh, it, uh, this creates conflicts. But also what happens is, uh, uh, libraries and the publishing industry are in another larger conflict about digital books in general and how they function in a world, uh, in the digital world as opposed to how they function in the physical world. Uh, <clears throat> Most publishers now have transformed how they deal with libraries. Uh, book libraries essentially license their e- ebooks for a limited section of time at or, or a specified number of, um, um, uh, of circulations or borrows. Uh, and then you have to renew the license. Uh, and in many cases, this is much more expensive. Publishers have tended to believe that um, library lending undermines sales. Uh, there's a lot of data that says that doesn't happen, put out by obviously the library side of it. Uh, but this is an ongoing battle. It has gotten ugly at times. Right now we seem to be in a state of detente uh, for a time. Um, publishers simply stopped. Um, Macmillan was famous for this. They they just <laughs> cut <laughs> off and stopped lending out ebooks. Now that has changed now. But uh, Miles got dragged into this because, um, because of uh, obviously there's an enormous amount of attention on it, uh, in the wake of these bans in Tennessee. Uh, there are a lot of stories out now about how sales of the book are soaring. According to Chris Freeman, who is a director of the Internet Archives, um, Open Libraries Initiative, uh, he claims in a blog post on February 10th, that a representative of PRH came to him and said, or rather not to him, came to the IIA and and said that they demanded that they stop um, circulating the book because it was undermining sales, mm. because there was so much consumer interest in the book and sales are so much that they were losing sales. I'm paraphrasing here. But that doesn't make any sense. Uh, well... <laughs> Well, it, it, it doesn't make sense in the sense that it's hard to believe that, uh, lending out some copies, uh, through the Internet Archive would affect Penguin Random House sales in any way. Or at least that's well, I mean, the IA's I, I, account. Okay. Yes. I completely understand why 
a company that makes ebooks would want you to buy their ebooks instead of making your own ebook out of their book. I get that. But I don't understand how increased interest would make this more of a problem for Penguin Random House, given that if the Internet Archive is only lending out a fixed number of copies, if if interest goes up in buying the book, the fixed number of copies available will still remain low. Well, PRH is well. PRH denies the whole notion that they're doing this because it has anything to do with them trying to maximize their profits. They're doing it on principle. There is okay, no there is no authorized ebook version. They don't believe that IA has the right to make a digital copy mm-hmm. uh, and circulate it in any way. They don't. Uh, in fact. They're not just saying this about Mouse. They don't believe that they should do this about any book that's not in public well, domain. They kind of have a point there. I'm well, not sure I would agree. This is why they're in, they're uh, in court now within a major lawsuit trying to see uh, what the law is. The, uh, the Internet Archive claims fair use. Uh, they're saying that now, and I should say, PRH also claims that they are they are make, they have no issue with. The Internet Archive over public domain books. Right. Their issue only is um, taking books that are not in the public domain uh, and turning them into ebooks uh, without the permission of the publisher or the author. So uh, this came up in your article last year yep. about control digital and the, and I should say the Internet Archive isn't the only library that does this. Yeah. So it's a controversial practice. It goes on. Um, Publishers uh, well, what tolerate are the, it, yeah. Well, what are the but things? They don't like it. The reasons I brought it up in my a library article, just real quickly, I th- Calvin. I think you touched on this. Is that you know there are a lot of courses look for books that cost like you know one hundred fifty dollars for one copy, and so they get the digital copy, and they do try to find a way to you know it's just impossible to teach a course based on this book if every student has to pay one hundred fifty dollars. So anyway, exactly. well, there's definitely more to come on that. Yes. Oh, so Kate, I'm sorry, yeah. Kate. Yes. Oh, sorry. I was just hoping to yes, have a chance yeah, for yeah. us to discuss with each other. Yes, yeah, sure. Subject. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Before you start, and I want you to do it. I just want to point out we're at fifty-one minutes here. Now there have been some things, but we are definitely, you know, go ahead. I'm not going to talk for real okay, long. Not okay, nearly yeah. as long as either of you talked. Okay. okay. I wanted to. I didn't want like this is not like my chance to take the podium. I wanted to actually right. like yeah, 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 interact yeah, with each other. All good. Unlike all, on all, Skype. All good. No problem. So, this is, this is one of those things where it doesn't sound to me like the legalities of this have really been settled out in the court of, of what exactly the lending or copyright issues are of this, uh, controlled digital lending, is it? Uh, well, that's part of what, I mean, really that's the, this is the, the principles that's at the core of the lawsuit. What are the rights um, of a copyright holder? Uh, according to um, in an archive, they, they, they under fair use uh, and traditional library practice, they are not abusing anybody's rights. PRH feels differently. Uh, PRH and three other publishers, but really they're representing the whole mm. industry because there's not any publishers that really care about this, that like this practice at all. Uh, I think the others, uh, Harper Collins, Shashet. And John Wiley are also part of the suit. So you're absolutely right. Uh, the issues are being fleshed out in court right now. There you go. Boy, Internet Archive. Um, <laughs> yes. So, uh, well, another uh, traditional format is that of the editorial cartoonist and uh, Matt Bores, who's probably best known these days for uh, running the nib. Uh, had a pretty interesting essay about that this week where yeah. he, he said he thought he was carrying on the traditions of editorial cartooning, but it turned out he was the last person in the room. Endangered species, the board to be specific. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting article. I mean, uh, I mean, we could all talk about, you know, our own, um, takes on editorial cartoons. Um, but he really kind of charted you know, the slow and kind of excruciating demise of, you know, a form of cartooning that at least certainly when I was a kid was very huge. I mean, I used to open up the paper and go to her block and, and go to, to Bill Maudlin in the uh, Washington Post 
which in what seems like a hundred years ago. Um, and it's very interesting that he talks about how, uh, instead of him, uh, being like, you know, starting off in a great new career, he may have been an example yeah. of the last of the species. Yeah. And, um, I mean, but he has some really interesting statistics in there just to, you know, at the, just how Thomas Nast invented it and, uh, it's a good history. It's of, a very good history. history editorial. Editorial I mean, you know, there cartoon. at one point there was hundreds. Like yes. every newspaper yes. had an editorial cartoonist on staff, and now there's like five. So yeah, I would say that is the going the way of the dodo. Well, I mean, I think we can separate out two different things here. One is the business model of the editorial cartoon that gets put in a newspaper or digital equivalent, and the other is just political cartoons. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think political cartoons are eternal and will f- pop up in a variety of different formats. But the business model of the editorial cartoon, such as is put in a newspaper, be it physical or digital, is is what seems to be going here. And I have to say, I never really understood it. <laughs> I don't really understand why they decided to drop this. Because even my rinky-dink Allentown newspaper, The Morning Call, had little chunk in the back of the opinion section. Didn't take up a lot of real estate, maybe a third of a page, which had some editorial cartoons in it. They could not have cost that much to syndicate. And, you know, over the years, these just sort of fell by the wayside and I given that they weren't that expensive and people loved them I still don't really understand what was going on there I guess it's just sort of publishing groupthink. Uh, well I think it's like if you have a staffer who's a cartoonist and you know given the how many few newspapers there are anymore but well, that's part of the problem. Uh, yeah. The problem with the editorial cartoons business model is it is attached to the newspaper business well, but, model but, which is but see here's the thing a lot of us still read newspaper articles online. By the time I was reading as a teenager editorial cartoons in my local paper, they weren't done by a cartoonist in Allentown. They were done by some guy who was syndicated whose editorial cartoons were published in newspapers across America. Yeah. Um, and so that is the model that is cheaper. But even that cheaper model seems to be dying out and I'm not 100% sure because why. It's because of the the internet. I mean, you know, there's just so much political content up there now mm-hmm. and that there's, you know, it's not like Calvin waking up in the morning as a, you know, a bright-eyed child waiting to read the latest the Herb Block cartoon, <laughs> oh, which is, you know, a, a vision of amazing, but, but that amazes me. But, uh, you know, now... That same bright-eyed child in 2022 simply goes to the internet and sees a billion things they should not see. But and, uh, you know, one of the things in Bohr's article, which I also think is also good, is that, uh, and he's as he states, well, we may be seeing the end of the editorial cartoon, but we're certainly not seeing the end of as you as you said, political cartooning. In fact, we're awash in political cartooning. Um, but it may be in the form of a graphic novel. It may be in the form of nonfiction. It may be in forms of memoir. It may be in forms of a lot of ways. Well, but what it's not is a single panel cartoon. Yeah. Well, I, I would, I would say it's not even necessarily going just to those long forms, those long mm-hmm. prestige forms. Although I'm sure the prestige political cartoonists are frequently flocking in that direction. But what is the rage comic, the meme comic, <laughs> the the yeah. uh, the meme with little balloons where you can change what they say to be about whatever political topic of the day you want, but a form of the political cartoon. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think no. the the short hand, short form visual image that is something humorous about a political topic. That will be around too, as well as all those oh, yeah. long forms you're yeah. talking about. Yes, and, and you pointed out that the meme, yeah, many of may them, may be the editorial cartoon of our and, time. And I'd like to say that you know, Boars is definitely not going away. I mean, I do love his cartooning, and uh, actually, he has he's doing a comic book 
uh, called Justice Warriors. It'll be a six-part miniseries at Ahoy Comics, uh, written done in collaboration with cartoonist Ben Clarkson, uh, with colorist Felipe Sobriero. So you know what? I look forward to seeing that Justice Warriors from Matt Boer's uh, Act Four, Five, Six, Seven, whatever. You know, uh, it's a cartoonist. You keep on doing things. Um, well, speaking of cartoonists who do things. Uh, just really quick, wanted to say, really feel good. We've talked about a lot of, uh, you know, kerfuffles, uh, and outrage and problems, but this is really a wonderful, although it's kind of sad underpinning as well. Um, we talked about how legendary oh, cartoonist yes. George mm-hmm. Perez, uh, has announced that he has terminal cancer and he's kind of on a farewell tour and everybody was like, Wow, I wish they reprint JLA Avengers, which is this, you know, life, uh, dream work, uh, that, that one of his best works ever, in which the Justice League and the Avengers teamed up. Of course, Marvel and DC don't team up anymore, well, except this time they have, and mer- credit Marie Javens, editor-in-chief at DC. Uh, they are doing a 7,000 copy reprint, not nearly enough, but that's all they could do, of JLA Avengers, uh, with the proceeds to benefit the hero initiative the hero initiative will be the publisher of it and um you know what it's a wonderful what a wonderful uh thing and marie posted a photo of george uh, on a trip to the west coast looking at the cover of the new edition and smiling and you know what that's uh really cool. wonderful for his fans and for george and hero initiative and listeners the hero initiative is a charity which many comic creators support because yes. it supports comic creators. What it is is it, you know, provides money to comic creators who maybe are retired and in need of, of funds to survive in their older age and also to comic creators of all ages who may be having health problems which may not be covered by their medical care. More than a worthy cause. And, and fitting, given that Mr. Perez is having medical problems yeah. himself. Wow. To be sure. Okay. Uh, right. Now on to the briefs. And now the briefs. Well, speaking of kerfuffles and arguments, <laughs> stars, they're just like us. Um, <laughs> I love this. So, if you've been living under a rock... Kanye West and Kim Kardashian are getting divorced, and it's not a very friendly divorce. But now, as part of the flurry of angry social media between the two of them, one of Kanye's complaints is (laughs) about the fact that he and Kim are squabbling over who gets the collection of Akira comics. (laughs) I mean, you can't make this stuff up. (laughs) Now, this is very Kanye, but also... Let's be honest. Is this not every fan who gets divorced from another uh, fan? Um, and they're right. Akira's like out of print. It's really hard yeah, to get so, those yeah. those no, really good, good yeah. epic editions. And, and I'm point. I'm sure that they have sentimental value to both of them. Uh, <laughs> oh yes, yes. Yeah. Well, Kanye is a big anime manga fan. In fact, I and got... apparently Kim is too. Oh. So yeah, yeah. That's what. Uh, and so that is, yeah. that will lead that is a bad thing when splitting up a book collection man if you like the same books so uh mm. yeah yeah well <laughs> i hope akira gets a boost in sales figures from there that one maybe <laughs> there you go andrews mcneil and tapas huh. ink to deal um where andrews mcneil publishing will be bringing out a a physical print copy of several of Tapas Media's online web comics in print form. Now, these are all, in this particular case, Tapas Originals, um, things that were started in English, in the English version of the app. But, um, you know, if this goes well, we may see Tapas bringing out a lot more books, maybe some of their Korean licenses, maybe some of their Chinese licenses, uh, from Andrews and Neil as well. Yep the uh, the printing of web well, comics we'll, continues. Uh, well, we've certainly been looking out, mm. um, looking at the Tapas Webtoon uh, mm. battles and uh, new new yeah. uh, volley fired. So, and we have one one warning for you, listeners. 
If someone comes up to you online <laughs> telling you they are Shannon Wheeler, they yeah. want to publish your comic or something else, and for some reason they need money, don't give them money yeah. because <laughs> Shannon Wheeler has uh, announced online <laughs> that someone seems to be impersonating him online in order to scam comic fanciers and would-be comic creators. So, yeah, make sure you're talking to the real Shannon Wheeler, folks. <laughs> That is a case of identity theft I would not have called. Mm. There's a too much coffee man imposter wandering around here. <laughs> yeah, not so, enough coffee man. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Well, that's it. We've covered uh, everything from stem to stern this week. But, as always, there will be more to come. Um, there you go. There's money in them dark books. <laughs>